The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, February 5th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I suppose we'll start with the biggest game from Thursday night. It was a Big Ten showdown. Number seven, Ohio State at number eight, Iowa, inside Carver Hawkeye Arena. Moment of silence for Roy J. Carver, the American industrialist who started the Carver Pump Factory. We lost him. Back in 1981, heart attack in Spain. Changed his name to Carver Hawkeye, I believe, in the mid-50s. You interrupted the moment of silence. No, that was a proper distancing of a moment of silence there. That was a solid three seconds. What were you looking for? A full 10 seconds on Carver Hawkeye? I felt like we needed... I mean, he he was a a philanthropist and an American industrialist. He started Carver Pump Factory. I had a twinkle in my eye uh, when I was watching the game on Thursday, and I think they were coming out of commercial... And um, this was after Dan Shulman gave me a shout-out on the broadcast. Did you catch that, by the way? I did not. Okay. Shouts to Dan Shulman for giving me a shout on the broadcast. Um, they come back, and the snow is falling out there in Iowa City, and it's just an outside shot of the arena, Carver Hawkeye. And I thought, we're going to talk about this bitch on the podcast Friday. <laughs> and, 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 and now here we are. So I had the Buckeyes. Uh, ranked fourth in Thursday morning's top 25 and one. And immediately at Dougie 806 on Twitter saw this and he told, he told me, he said, he said that I would soon see that Ohio state is way overrated. And he added hashtag Hawks and you'll never guess what happened next. Ohio state went inside Carver Hawkeye and won 89, 85 because Iowa is a good team that can't get stopped. So now the Buckeyes are 15 and four overall. They're nine and four in the big 10, seven and one in their past eight games, four game winning streak. And they have seven Quadrant one wins, which is more than any other team in the whole wide world. Ohio State is now fourth in adjusted offensive efficiency. That's attractive. Norlander, Mm. simple question. Have we reached the point where Ohio State's offense does for you what it has long done for me? Put another way, if Ohio State's offense had ears, would you nibble on them? How horny were you watching this game, by the way? Was it like how, how bad was this situation here? Uh, it was just like what it was rough. I was glad I was alone. Oh boy, <laughs> I was glad I was alone. I was glad I was upstairs in my office watching this and not like you know in public. Uh, someone hit Could've me been. up in the middle of the game and said, "How aroused is Parrish right now?" I said, "This is where we're at. <laughs> I'm gonna have to bring this up on the podcast too." Listen, oh. <laughs> I think it was in response to my tweet where I said Ohio State's shooting is R-rated right now, which I think prompted uh, a person or two to, to say, what's worse than RX? What does X-rating mean? 
sensual Ohio State offense connection. <laughs> GP cannot stop. The juice is from getting going. They did look really good, by the way. Credit to Ohio State. Uh, our buddy Jeff Borzello uh, turned around a quick column Thursday night that said, this is now the case here. Ohio State should be a one seed at this point. And it's hard to argue when the, when the game was coming to a close and oh, was he was, was, holding, off, uh, was holding off Iowa, I, I kind of looked around at, um, at the teams in that one, two, th- you know, top three line conversation. And because of the number of wins, uh, four losses compared to the rest of the field, not including the top two, yeah, I think it's there. I mean, uh, as we record this, I don't know if we're getting a new bracketology from Palm here on a Friday, but I would. I don't know if I'd expect them to put Ohio State on the one line. I'll say this: if they're not on the one line, they're the very best two. But I think that they're probably a one, and that was that was a damn good showing uh, against an Iowa team that continues to have its issues against the top end of its schedule. But we can get to that in, in just a second. I did want to make sure we started off talking about what the Buckeyes have done here and. Given how great this offense is, it's it's not top shelf defense. You know, Iowa was going to get theirs, and and they, and they did. But I mean, come on, GP, seven and one in the past eight. Weirdly, has been swept by Purdue. So good on you, uh, Matt Painter. But overall, EJ Liddell, Dwayne Washington, Kyle Young buried. I think a pair of threes last night. Like they were, they're looking really, really good at this point, and it's not yet reached a point where. Ohio State has been dubbed the best team in the Big Ten. It's really the only one that hasn't entered into that cycle on the top tier. We had Wisconsin for, I think, about seven minutes. <laughs> We've obviously had Michigan there for most of the past month. Illinois had its moment in the preseason right there along Iowa, who I believe you, I think you gave me a, a bunch of crap over saying that Iowa wouldn't be the best team in the Big Ten. How's that working out for you, buddy? Um, I, I, I'm living in the present. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Ohio State's the only one in that five who hasn't really gotten that top uh that top mention, but it's it's kind of going right there, depending on what's going to happen with Michigan here in the next week and a half. The number one seeds right now should be Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah. So who's the top number two in your opinion then? Well, let's go to the top 25 and one and see. There we go. Illinois. Wow. My top eight right now is Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois at five, Villanova at six, Texas at seven. And I got I haven't adjusted yet. I'm, I don't know what to do with Iowa. I might drop Iowa. I mean, you lose at home inside Carver Hawkeye. Roy J rolling over in his grave. In his nest, not happy at all. Yeah, I. Yeah, you're probably gonna have to drop him. Iowa's. Res- I'll move Alabama up to, up above Iowa. So my top yes, eight will be yes. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, Villanova, Texas, Alabama. Iowa's three and four in quad one games, uh, and three and one in quad two. It's seven and zero oh in the in the bottom two quadrants there. It's yeah, that, man. Oh man, when you when that game was entertaining as hell, Parrish. But I'm watching it, and as these teams trade blows at the same time, I'm thinking, I just I'm. If you hear me talking about flirting with picking Iowa to the Final Four, smack me. I just you cannot trust this team to win four games with at least three of them being against high quality teams. They're too vulnerable. And what's weird about it is. Still the best offense in the country. And Luca Garza is still, like, he was really, well, he kind of disappeared down the stretch. But on the whole, like, he was really good again. Like, he's still the front runner for National Player of the Year. Now, if Iowa continues to lose, we're going to have an interesting conversation to have if Jared Butler continues to hit, like, 48% from three and can average north of 20 points. But, you know, Big Luca had 16 points, seven boards, five assists, shot uh, he was six to thirteen from the field. For his standards, it was it was subpar, but it was still 
still good enough for him to keep him uh, in the pole position there. No, with Iowa, they look like a team that is going to lose uh, 88-87 in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. That's specific, huh? 88-87? 88-87. Mark it down. Okay, yeah. I would... I wouldn't put it past them losing the second round um, if they get the wrong kind of opponent. But yes, they, they should make the second weekend. Uh, the defense is worse than at at this stage compared to end of season stats last season. I was worse defensively, which just shouldn't happen. I mean, not that we expected this team to jump into the top fifty, but I remember us talking in the preseason saying, you know, if this team can go last season, it ended ninety seventh in the country in defensive efficiency. Uh, if it can get into the top 70 and, and maintain a top five offense, then it's going to be a national championship contender. It's not going that way whatsoever. And now it's got to turn around uh, and play a road game at a, a desperate Indiana team. But we'll get to that uh, in the weekend preview there. But, hey, it was entertaining as hell and good on Ohio State for getting another really good win. This is, you know, this is the Buckeyes' moment, if you will, because it'll take another loss at some point. Don't know when, but it should, it should come eventually. But for now, yes, on the one line, we're in agreement. Um, my favorite thing besides Ohio State's offense on Thursday night was you pushing back on uh, Jeff Goodman talking about Chris Holman doesn't get enough credit. <laughs> like, if people do this what all the doing? time. Like, in what world does Chris Holman not get enough credit? Like, who doesn't – if you say Chris Holman to somebody, in what world does somebody not say, oh, yeah, he's one of the best coaches in the country? This was an accurate statement five years ago. Like, this, this, this time has long since passed. I don't – like, you can't even get the Ohio State job if you're not right. properly credited. You can't even get in the room. Like, he's got one of the best jobs in the country. How do you think he got it? Because he's, he's regarded as one of the best coaches in the country. And if you count, uh, I guess there was three seasons at Butler, and now he's in his fourth season at Ohio State. I mean, I just run – we did this with Kelvin Sampson a few weeks ago or last week maybe. I'll, I'll do the same thing with with uh, with Chris. 2014-15 started 70th at the Kimpom, finished 20th. 2015-16 started 31st, finished 30th. 2016-17 started 22nd, finished 25th. 2017-18, first year at Ohio State, started 78th, finished 16th. 2018-19 started 41st, finished 44th. 2019-20, last season started 12th, finished 8th. This season started 10th, is currently sitting at 8th. So, seven straight years, top 45 finishes, six of seven in the top 30, top 10 each of the past two, overachieved five times, never bombed. What are we talking about? Chris Holton, if somebody were to randomly just like, like uh, ask me about Chris Holton, here's what I'd say. One of the best coaches in the country and one of my favorite people too. Yeah. Him and Painter. Get talked about how underrated they are so often. <laughs> it's just, just absurd. So yeah, I I couldn't. Uh, what do you, what do you want from me? I couldn't help myself. Like if you want like if you want someone who actually is a, a a pretty damn good coach and like truly doesn't get enough credit. Like I don't know, pick someone like Leon Rice at Boise State. He's been there what like a decade, made a couple of tournament runs. They win more than twenty games every single season, and I think that's the exact kind of coach you want to be uh, talking about. But Chris Holtman's running like a top ten program right now. He gets a lot of love and deservedly so. So you know, sometimes I like to like just to. Poke Goodman in the ribs just a little bit. Can't can't help. So um, we uh, we'll get to this weekend's Duke North Carolina game in the Final Four and one. Might be the first time we've ever focused on a game featuring two unranked teams, but we're going to do it. Yeah, I, I wrote a column um, late last night, sort of 
you know, I don't know, just about how unusual this game is because it's, it's the, the first time in more than 60 years that Duke and North Carolina have played and um, neither team has been ranked. And one of the points I made in the column is that, you know, I, I don't think this is a coincidence that it's happening in the middle of a pandemic. I, I think I, these are two programs like Kentucky as well that are heavily reliant on first year players and they didn't get a normal summer. They didn't get a normal fall. They didn't get a normal exhibition scrimmage situation. They didn't get the normal buy games. And I, I genuinely believe some of their struggles are tied to this unusual calendar we're dealing with based on the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Flip it around. And I can't help but notice, I went and looked it up this morning. Ohio State's top seven scores are all non-freshmen who were in the program last season. Gonzaga Baylor. Each of Baylor's top seven scores are non-freshmen who were in the program last season. Six of Gonzaga's top seven scores are non-freshmen, four of whom were in the program last season. I don't think any of this is an accident. The best teams in the country appear to be teams that are, yes, talented. You need talent, but talented teams that are relying on non-freshmen who were in the program last season, pre-pandemic. And some of the biggest brands that are struggling, they're all brands that are relying heavily on freshmen whose freshman seasons were, or freshman years were delayed and interrupted and not normal because of the pandemic. I think all of this stuff ties together. So who's the best team that's the least experienced? Um, there's something to that probably. Uh, Definitely. I'd say the best team that's the least experienced, Purdue ranks three. Oh, you want to do, do another one? How about we just yeah. said the top four? We just said the right. number one seed should be Gonzaga, Baylor, right. Ohio State, Michigan. So right. let me do Michigan. Okay. Seven of Michigan's top eight scores are non freshmen, five of whom were in the program last season. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. And even Houston, which we'll get to in a second here, uh, even those kind of teams have plenty of uh, experience there. If you look at, yeah, I mean, I'd say the best team, I'd say Texas Tech is the team that has the most new pieces that is going to potentially be a top four seed. That's the one. That's the one that could be the exception. Everyone else, if you kind of look at projections of one line, two line, three line, four line, five line, that's it. And yet, weirdly, right, Tennessee is, is the other way around. It does have a couple of important freshmen, but there are a lot of important returning players and although it has a good record and should yeah. be a solid seed, yeah. it's just not nearly as good as we expected. Yeah, it to be. yeah but you got to remember with Tennessee, Tennessee was not good last year. So the reason everybody sure. thought, myself included, would, Tennessee would be good, it, it, it like Michigan was good last season. Ohio State was good last season. Gonzaga was good last season. Baylor was good last season. Tennessee was not. Mm. So why is Tennessee going to win the SEC this year? Because they're enrolling two five-star freshmen. Well, if five-star freshmen aren't making the same kind of impact that they often do, here we are. It's a good point. That column that GP wrote uh, will be linked in the podcast description, so give it a read. Uh, previews, obviously, what's going to be an interesting Carolina Duke game that we'll get to in the final four and one. In addition to Ohio State, Iowa, the past two nights have been highlighted by ranked teams getting upset or pushed in surprising ways. We're going to get into that next, but first, check this out. 
Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So in addition to Ohio State, Iowa, the past two nights have been highlighted by ranked teams getting upset or pushed in surprising ways. On Wednesday night, number three Villanova was upset by unranked St. John. Shouts to Golden Gate Mike. Number five Houston, just hours after I put Houston in the Final Four, was upset by unranked East Carolina. Number 15, Creighton, was upset by unranked Georgetown. Number 16, Virginia Tech, upset by unranked Pitt. Number 22, Florida, upset by unranked South Carolina. Inside the O-Dome, for crying out loud. And then on Thursday, top-ranked Gonzaga trailed Pacific at the half. The Zags ultimately pulled away and won 76-58, but it was closer than it should have been for longer than it should have been. What stands out from that mess of games, Norland? First of all, I had uh, I had a few people reach out and say Paris has <laughs> he's jinxed uh, Houston to pick him to to go to the Final Four, and and then look what they do, and then um, and then Villanova went out and did what it did. So it was the first time this season we've had Wednesday was the noisiest day of the season in terms of upsets and notable outcomes because it was the first time we had two top five teams lose on the same day, and I think it was the first time this season that we had five ranked teams lose to unranked teams on the same day. So uh, Wednesday brought uh, a lot of chaos there. The biggest one to me, and they're all weird, I'll tell you that. Um, like, all right, Houston at least was on the road. Villanova lost, by the way, first time it played at Carneseca since 94. Uh, Steve Lapis was the coach of Villanova then, and he did the call on CBS Sports Network. That was kind of a cool deal there. Um, but they're not going to want to go back. They're not going to want to go back there for another thirty years because because uh, St. John's and Golden Gate might get the win. But again, that was on the road. Uh, Virginia Tech losing at Pitt was bizarre, but it was on the road. Georgetown's horrendous, and Creighton lost on its home floor. What are we doing? Like that one got the least amount of attention, but to me, that was the most inexcusable. Now ECU is terrible, obviously. Uh, but Houston's in the middle of like a three, uh, well, <laughs> Houston, by the way, could have played Gonzaga it's scheduled our lady of the lake for Saturday oh, afternoon. Oh, by the way, do you think they were glad now? Cause uh, exactly. otherwise, otherwise you're probably looking at a two game losing streak. I know. Well, how about this? How about everyone connected to that Gonzaga deal either lost or like Gonzaga itself trying to get it like trailing by five. Now I thought it was going to win. Um, but uh, you know, under 16 second half, it's like, okay, where are you? Are we going to? Is this going to oh, be a no, thing? I was, I was monitoring it. I mean, I was on halftime uh, of Gonzaga Pacific. Yeah. And so then 
I, you know, we, we're, we're not doing a post game show or inside college basketball because uh, we're doing Super Bowl shows right. so like from Tampa. So once halftime's over, I'm done. And I was like, okay, now I got to prep for the podcast. I'll pour a drink. And, and, and then I almost went and watched the rest. Of, and I almost went, you know what? If Gonzaga gets upset, we might do emergency podcast. Maybe I should hold off on the drink, be, you know, because I might need to work. And then I was like, you know what? I trust the Zags. I'm pouring a drink. Yeah. Well, I, I, it reached a point there where uh, lead producer on CBS Sports HQ said, I'm, I'm blatantly going with the reverse drinks here. If Gonzaga loses, are you available? And I said, yes. But the thing with the reverse jinx is you cannot acknowledge the reverse jinx within the message of trying to implement a reverse jinx. So we got lucky there. But yes, thankfully, Gonzaga was able to win. I had zero interest in an emergency podcast or hopping on TV at 1130 last night. So they got the job done. But um, weirdly enough, and I, on a personal note, I had a uh, an informative breakdown on in the court report on Thursday about just how rarely dominant Baylor and Gonzaga are as a duo. And of course, with an hour, they're trailing at the half at Pacific. I'm like, come on, this is just a classic writer's stinks. We've all been there, Parrish. Well, how about, how about our halftime, our rundown uh, that was put together by Jim Hildebrand and Andy Tulin. Like we're going to halftime Gonzaga show Ohio state, Iowa uh, highlight. We'll comment on that. Then we'll talk about Gonzaga. And the question was going to be, you know, is BYU going to threaten to give the Zags their first loss next week? And like, we had to scrap it. Cause it's like, you know what, what we, we're acting, we're acting as if there's no chance they take their first loss now and they're down five points at the half. So yep. let's, uh, let's talk about something else. So we ended up talking about something else. They got it. They got it done. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely rooting for Drew Timmy to continue. Like I want, I want the, the Fu Manchu to be absurd. I, I, I want Gonzaga to be undefeated and, uh, Corey Kispert to have the poofiest set of hair sitting above, uh, resting on that on that headband, and for Drew, great Tim- hair, great a- hair, amazing hair, and Drew Timmy, like that will just, as weird as it is, like that kind of stuff just adds to the spectacle that is the tournament. Like once everyone starts paying to attention to college basketball, if you've got this undefeated Gonzaga team, and you know its starting power forward looks like someone that might be, and I haven't seen an episode of the show yet. I know you're into it. I'll get into it after the season, but Drew Timmy, I would only assume looks like he could be a you know a cast member. Of, of the latest edition of Cobra Kai. Like, it's just, it's incredible, this look that he's sporting there. Gonzaga gets the win. Good job. Creighton losing at Georgetown, to me, was the most inexcusable. Um, just a rough, rough loss. But the fact that, like, Houston lost the way it did against ECU, like, ECU punked him. Absolutely punked him. St. John's Nova, that was... A, a, a competitive game. Posh Alexander is one of the 10 best freshmen in America. I love that this dude is named Posh and he could not be further from, from the uh, traditional uh, definition of the word there. He is awesome, man. Like if I, I would hope that he's going to come back for a second season. If he does, we're putting that dude top 40 in next season's 101 players. No doubt about it. Maybe top 30. The, the, he has been the tra- great. The traditional definition of Posh is Victoria Beckham. That's yeah. Yes. So he couldn't look. He couldn't look more like Victoria Beckham. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Like you know, do you know what the word posh means? It means Victoria Beckham. Uh, well, no, she was, she, but she was called Posh Spice. You think, you, think I'm, you think I'm not connecting those things? Exactly. Well, you know, a posh means to be like glitzy and you know luxurious, high class kind of deal. You know, like I, I'm posh. I don't I don't deal with the hoi polloi, if you will. 
That's not Posh Alexander. He gets down and into it, man. He is an awesome, really fun player to watch. Shouts to St. John's, which is has has nabbed two huge victories uh, consecutively. Got one against Marquette, which Marquette's not projected as a tournament team, but it was a road win to keep them in the conversation. Then they beat Villanova. And St. John's Bremen and bubble team at the moment there. So big time win. What about for you? And listen, Florida losing at home to, to again, bad South Carolina. Wednesday was was nutty. That doesn't even get to the fact that St. Louis took a loss. It probably couldn't afford to take it. LaSalle, Oklahoma State blew it against TCU. That's a bubble team right there. So there was a lot that happened on Wednesday to you. You know, one, one or two stood out the most as uh, perhaps being the most inexcusable or, or egregious. It's been going downhill ever since we got our Billiken belts. It has been, by the way. <laughs> it's been going downhill since we got our Billiken belts. Man, oh, man. Curse of the Billiken um, belt, yeah. Okay, so, like, obviously, Houston losing at East Carolina. What are we even talking about? They're 16-and-a-half-point favorites on an eight-game winning streak. I put them in the Final Four. East Carolina's on a five-game losing streak. What are you doing? Except that's the perfect setup for – a letdown. Now, it's supposed to be a letdown like Gonzaga's letdown, where you don't play well, but you still win. Where you get scared, but you still finish with more points than the other team, which, by the way, very important in the sport of basketball if you're trying to win a game. You got to get more points than the other team. But, and that's what I assumed would happen. Like, I'm watching the game, and I'm like, well, eventually Houston's, you know, East Carolina's going to go six minutes without a field goal, and we'll be done here. And it became clear at about the five-minute mark. They're down, still down double digits. Like, they, they just don't have it. Afterwards, Kelvin Sampson was like, you know, we usually out-tough teams. We didn't do that. You know, we usually play harder than our, the other team. We did not do that. But, again, you're on an eight-game winning streak. You're ranked fifth in the country. The other team's lost five in a row. You're favored by 16 and a half. There's no crowd. With all due respect to Greenville, North Carolina, like, it's it's – I've I've been there for a game. You're about to you know, disrespect I, Greenville, North Carolina, right now. I'm not going to. I'm just saying there ain't there ain't there. When I was there, there wasn't a whole lot going on there. It's not like going wow. to. I I apologize. How dare you? <laughs> I'm not trying to Greenville. I mean, listen. I I know My it's no Chester. I know it's no Chester. Not even in the same state as Chester. I assume you were there for a Memphis game, by the way. Like, why the hell are you in Greenville? I was there. Yeah, as a Memphis beat writer. There we go. Okay. Did you not know I used to be the Memphis beat writer? For I the don't think that's come up appeal. before, but we'll save it for another episode. Then. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that okay. at some point. Um, my favorite golfer, Harold Varner the Third, is is an East Carolina alum. So I I don't mean to disparage East Carolina. What I'm trying to say is that I could understand how you might not be as focused as you otherwise would be, given the circumstances of this situation, and they got caught. They did. We're not going to send this podcast off the rails, but. I'm going to say Harold Varner III is only your favorite golfer because you played in some pro-am with them. But the real story is that you were in this pro-am being the Memphis celeb that you are, and you got all these big stars. Again, this is a real quick aside. And you can't wait to see if you're going to get paired up with, you know, a Rory McIlroy or whoever the <laughs> hell else. And then it comes up. Harold Varner III, and I think at the time when you told me this story the first time, which was like the day it happened, you looked you know, to Chris Vernon or whoever, and you said, man, what the f***? I got Harold Varner III? This sucks. <laughs> that is not what happened that at all. That is what I'll, happened. I'll tell you exactly what happened. We were at this pairing dinner, and the way it works is like a lottery. Like you're, you're on a team, you've got your pro-am team, and it's like in team number 24, you pick first. And so they're like, we'll play with Tiger Woods. You know, like it really does go like that. So in advance of this, like we know the people who run 
the the WGC event. Like you know, we're, we're Memphis media. Rig it we for know, us. We. I thought we, I honestly thought they were rigging it for us so that we would have this amazing experience and we'd promote it and promote it and promote it. So I was like, all right, listen, we're going to play with Mickelson. I guess we'll play with Phil Mickelson. That'll be fun. And so we've got all this in our head. We were literally the next to last team that got to pick. We were next to last. It came down to two people we had never heard of Harold Varner, the third and some other person who's not Harold Varner, the third. And so it's like, like we're team 44. It's like, okay, team 44. It's like, well, they had to get to us at some point. And we're like, all right, what do we do? So we're quick on our phones. We're Googling. And it's, I, I go, Harold Varner the third. And I'm like, dude, Harold Varner the third is a young guy in Jordan's. Like, let's pick him. I'm, I'm confident he's more fun than this 55-year-old guy from wherever. So we picked Harold Varner uh, the third. And we had an incredible experience. He could not have been cooler. And by the way, like being cool under those circumstances must be difficult. Like the idea that you're a professional golfer, it's 110 degrees. You got to spend five hours walking around a course with idiots like me and Vernon rolling balls all over Southwind. Cause like, I'm not good now, but I was especially bad then. And still he just tolerated us. In fact, had a good time with us, joked around. And it was sort of a reminder of how goofy these, pro-ams are anyway like imagine if you had to do that in other sports like if kevin durant had to play basketball with me for three hours the day before a game it's like what but that is what professional golfers are asked to do routinely so harold varner the third is my favorite golf we still keep in touch with him to this day he's my favorite golfer i root for him every tournament and so i would never intentionally disparage east carolina university my only point was that i could kind of understand all things considered how houston might find itself in a situation where it wasn't focused as much as it needed to be fair enough um that's still not as bad as creighton losing to georgetown though georgetown's terrible that's a home loss for creighton and in doing so just torpedoes its chances, I think, at a two-seat ultimately. Like, not, not that it was, like, you know, heading toward it for sure. I just think a loss like this, seed bump. You and I both know it. We were both thinking it. We've been thinking it for two days here. Creighton now, it's... Uh, it's know, got three quadrant three losses. Three quadrant three losses. That actually surprises me. Now, okay. now trivia time. How many other teams in, say, the top 90 of the net are sitting here with more than two losses outside of the first two quadrants, like Creighton is at this moment. Okay, so part of this feels like a trick question because when Duke lost earlier in the week, I sent out uh, a note that Duke was the only team alongside of Wright State and Davidson. Those are the only teams in the top 90 of the net as of Monday night that were winless in quad one and had two or more quad three, quad four losses. So there was no one... Uh, well, I don't know if there's no one, but there's definitely no one that that, that met that description. So is there more than one? Is, is, there, is Creighton the only one, or is there more than one? You caught me. It was a trick question. Okay. Creighton's the only one. Yeah. Creighton is the only one. I think that's weird. outside of the top 90, that's where I had to cut it off. UNC Greensboro has three quad three losses. But if the question is how many teams in the top 100 of the net as of Friday have more than two losses outside of the first two quadrants, the answer is two. It's Creighton 
and UNC Greensboro. The, uh, the, the blue, like they're doing real damage to their resume, losing stupid games like this inside the CHI Health Center Omaha. That used to be like the equivalent, like Omaha's equivalent of Pinnacle Bank. They were 17 and <laughs> one inside CHA Health Center Omaha last season. Now they're eight and three this season. Home venues in the state of Nebraska. It's uh, <laughs> it's not good. Troublesome. Problematic, for sure. Creighton is 34th in the net. Uh, what are we thinking right now? Uh, seven seeds? It's got to be seven seed, right? Three quad, three losses? I have I have them 25th in the top 25 and one, which equates to a seven seed. Boom. I, who are the other two bad ones? I'm, I'm, I don't have their schedule up in front of me. Who are the other the, quad threes? The other quad threes on Creighton's resume are, this is what you do when you're stalling so you can find it's something. It's all good. Sort of, Talking loose and free podcast. Here we go. Talking pause. Talking pause. Um, Quad three loss to. By the way, as GP looks, Penn State at six and eight right now. As we talk on this Friday morning, is thirty third in the net. It's six and eight and three and seven in quad one. What are we doing? Quad three losses are a December home loss inside CHI Health Center Omaha to Marquette. And a January home loss inside CHI Health Center Omaha to Providence. So they got three Mm -hmm. home losses to unranked Marquette, unranked Georgetown, unranked Providence. And that's how you get three quad three losses, folks. Creighton plays at Marquette at 5 o'clock on Saturday. That's a Fox tip, by the way. If Marquette wins that game at home, it will have a sweep of Creighton. And it also has a win over Wisconsin. It would be just 10-9. and But... We're getting to a point here, and we'll say this for next week or soon uh, soon enough. Um, I think we got a few teams that are developing weird resumes where they're only one or two games above 500 in this reduced regular season, and I think that's going to be an inevitability. When we get to Selection Sunday, there are going to be teams in the field that are going to finish like they're going to be like 13 and 11 and they're going to be in the NCAA tournament because they're going to have enough high-end wins that I think are going to put them over the top. I don't know if Marquette's going to be one of them. All I know is if Marquette wants any chance of making the NCAA tournament, it has to sweep Creighton and it's got that opportunity Saturday. Just to circle back to the Zags real quick and then we'll get to the final four and one. They really struggled from the three-point line at Pacific. They were... Uh, one of eight from three in the first half, four of 17 for the game. That's 23.5%. They're shooting 34.9% from three on the season, which ranks 116th nationally. Meantime, Baylor, 43.9% from three. That ranks first nationally. The Zags are still number two in adjusted offensive efficiency because they're so good for two. They shoot 64 per, 64.8% inside the arc. That ranks first nationally. Effective field goal percentage is 60.7. That ranks first nationally, but they are not great or even good from the three-point line. If you're looking for a weakness, if you're trying to nitpick Gonzaga and looking for a weakness, that is the place to look. You're absolutely right. Um, but I still consider now again, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Baylor one in my power rankings on Tuesday ahead of Gonzaga. You're gonna hold firm, but I still think that they're extremely close. And again, if you did not read it, uh just a quick note on this. Right now, an adjusted efficiency margin at Ken Palm, Baylor and Gonzaga. Baylor's at 35.35. Gonzaga's at 34.88. What those numbers mean, as I explained in the piece, is if Baylor or Gonzaga played the average college basketball team this season on a neutral floor, over 100 possessions, they would be expected to win by 35.35 points there. Uh, if you're plus 35 in efficiency margin, you are all-time great. Baylor's got to try and continue this. Gonzaga's got to try and continue this through the tournament. It gets tougher as the competition gets tougher, obviously. 
But at this point, they are so far ahead of the rest of the sport that if they continue this, just to get an idea, the only time, I, I'm, I'm sure you saw it, GP, so I won't trivia time you here, but I was surprised by this. The only time that we've ever had a one-two of teams that have been more dominant and lapping the field in the regular season like this was 97-98 when Duke and Carolina were one and two in Ken Palm's efficiency margin heading into the NCAA tournament, and they were more than eight points better than the third-place team, which was Kentucky. Arizona was fourth. Um, and, of course, Duke and Carolina, they didn't win the national championship. Duke lost in the Elite Eight. Carolina lost in the Final Four. So keep that in mind. It's the fickle nature of the tournament. But those... Uh, those teams were just absurdly dominant, and right now they're tracking Baylor and Gonzaga to be the second most dominant duo we've had in a season in the past 25 years. Uh, and even if they don't keep this pace, they're pretty much guaranteed, barring uh, a, a, an absurd run of losses, which just isn't going to happen. They're going to be one of the top four of the past 25 years. So what we have here, what your eyes are telling you is is backed up by the data. The, they are abnormally great compared to most other seasons. A again, as a duo, I'm talking specifically about two teams separating from the rest of the pack as opposed to an all-time great singular team atop the rankings. And neither one of them is playing this weekend. That's correct. Baylor, I know, uh, Baylor, as, as you noted uh, off-air before we uh, jumped on the pod here, Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, Ohio State, top four teams in your top 25 and one. None of them are playing this weekend. Uh, listeners are probably aware of this, but if you're not and you're catching in for news, um, the news flash here is that Baylor is going to miss its next two scheduled games against TCU and Oklahoma. Uh, the, by the way, the wording on this was weird, Paris. Did you pick up on that, the announcement? Yeah, it was like Big 12 guidelines. Interruption and guidelines. Okay, I mean, I, you know. I, I checked in with a source. It is COVID. <laughs> they didn't mention it. Of course. It. I mean, that I don't know. That was weird. Uh, Baylor was more transparent previously, and I don't know what exactly was happening with that. But hopefully all can be well and things can get back on the horse. Uh, they can get back on their horse pretty soon there. I tell you what, though, I had a coach. How about this? So I had a coach reach out in a power conference when the Baylor stuff happened like an hour later. I, I missed it in real time. I was putting my kids down. I saw it like an hour after it got announced. But... He said this, he goes, he goes, Matt, all caps, nobody, no coaches want a conference tournament, none. And honestly, these games that are getting postponed, just cancel them at this point. Uh, he said, leagues and athletic directors have to be smart about this because I said, yeah, the time to make up these games is just about done. Um, but then he said, oh, of course, they want that conference tournament money from the sponsors as well. Um and then I just kind of put forth like, yeah, like, you know, to state the obvious and what we talked about on this podcast and what I wrote about, like, again, college basketball is flirting with some real embarrassment here. If you have these conference tournaments and you have like two, four, six teams that are good enough to be in the tournament and then they don't go play in the tournament. Because what I said was, imagine if this happened to Baylor, like the Friday of the conference tournament, what are we doing? So, um, it was just interesting to hear from this coach who just kind of reached out to say, yeah, like, you know, some guys kind of publicly are lobbying for this, but the people I'm talking to, they don't want conference tournaments. Now, they're probably going to happen no matter what, but it just, the Baylor thing, and if we get another top 10 team, like Michigan's not coming back for another week or so, if we get, if this happens to another relevant one, two, three projected four seed parish, like it's just going to reemphasize how stupid this is, and I, I know we're kind of preaching to the choir here, but... To, to hear that, again, from a different coach that I didn't talk to previously about this, that I didn't that wasn't included in my poll on my story from two weeks ago, um, 
I, I bet there's some super interesting conversations happening behind the scenes because it sounds like a lot of head coaches just don't want to put themselves in this position. I, I don't doubt for a second that a lot of head coaches don't want to put themselves in the position. I'd push back on the idea that no coaches want to because let's think about, and I haven't talked to Travis about this, but let's say you're Travis Ford. Right. All right. You don't have an A-10 tournament. I am assuming the A-10 would just give its, I say this as the master of ceremonies of A-10 Media Day, I would assume the A-10 would just give its automatic bid to its conference champion, which at this moment would be St. Bonaventure. So um, if you're St. Louis, you're Travis Ford, then then you've only played 10 games to yeah. date. You're 0-2 in your league to date. You're probably not making the NCAA tournament as an at-large. You're just probably not. But you think you might think you've got the best team in the league. So I bet you he'd won a conference tournament. Agreed, agreed. Because it's it's out of necessity there. Yes, but if you're in a if you're in a position of, you know, at large lock status, then what are we doing here? You know, there's no great solution here. I, I have heard a little bit of, yeah, but we really would prefer to not go 10, 14, 17 days without playing a game before the NCAA tournament. That's not ideal either, and that's absolutely valid. But if your choices are do that or significantly risk even being in the tournament, you're obviously going to pick the option that puts you in the NCAA tournament. So um, just keep that in mind, man. We are, we are getting to the point here where games can't be postponed. They have to be canceled. Game totals are going to wind up in the low 20s, you know, a maximum of 27. Uh, no team is going to get to 27 games this season, I don't think. Auburn and Mississippi State, who were the four last week we mentioned? They, I guess they got a shot technically. But, um, but yeah, keep that in mind. Baylor's on the shelf here for uh, for a week or so. And, um, and uh if it can get back quickly, then it's going to be able to. Its next game, the Bears are scheduled to play, is Saturday, February 13th at home against Texas Tech. We wait and see if that'll be played as scheduled. So no Gonzaga this weekend, no Baylor this weekend, no Michigan this weekend, no Ohio State this weekend. But we still got enough games to do a Final Four and one. Do you want to update me on the records? I do. Okay, so uh, as of last week, I went three and two. You went one and four. What the f- yeah, not good. So I'm 20 and 19. You're 18 and 21. Uh, rough go for you, buddy. Jeez. There's, a, there's some interesting games here. Let's do Saturday, it. Saturday, game one. Saturday, noon Eastern, number 10, Alabama, at number 18, Missouri, inside Alex Oriaki Arena. You can watch it on ESPN, Alabama minus three. How, how funny is it that Alex Oriaki played at Missouri? It just still doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I'm, but, like, even like you think of UConn, but he finished his career at Missouri. That's he's correct. He's a national champion. I know. Now I he's know. got an, a national champion at UConn who's got an arena named after him at, at Missouri. That's got to be a first. Here's a good interview. Shouts to Alex Oriaki. You know what? He's going in the he's going in the no context Ion College Basketball Podcast preview tweet. You just, you just cemented it. Alex Oriaki, we're going to get it. In a, in a Missouri uniform. In a Missouri, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'm dropping Alex Oriaki and Harold Varner the third into the uh, into the preview. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, this is uh, it's a big spot here for Missouri. It's had a good season, but you beat if you can beat Bama, one you make the SEC race actually interesting. I mean, a loss here it's been done for a while, but it's just you're totally playing out the string from there. Give me give me Missouri to cover this three points. I'm feeling like it could be a it could be a Mizzou straight up situation, but I don't know if I'll go that far. But yeah, I like this line. I'll take Missouri. I've already I'm on the wreck. This is tough for me because I love Missouri, but I've I've identified Alabama as my favorite basketball team in the country. <laughs> yeah, so 
This is, tough, this is a tough spot for me. I'm going to lay the points. Alabama minus three. A, because Alabama, I've identified as my favorite team in the country. And B, um, I need to be opposite you to try to catch up. And C, they've been rolling. They're 11-1 in their past 12 games. Beat LSU twice by a combined 58 points. Beat Kentucky twice by a combined 31 points. Beat Tennessee by 8. Florida by 15. Ole Miss by 18. Arkansas by 31. Right now, Alabama is number three in adjusted defensive efficiency and number nine in adjusted tempo. It is very, very rare to play this fast and be this awesome on defense, which leads me to Mm. trivia time. I love when you sing. Only three teams in the Ken Palm era have finished top 10 in adjusted tempo and top five in adjusted defensive efficiency, which is where Alabama is right now. Only three teams, Ken Palm Eric, which dates back to 2001-2002 season. It's three teams from two different schools. Name the schools. Do the criteria one more time. Top 10, top, uh, top 10 adjusted you be, tempo. You got to be top 10. Right now, Alabama is ninth in tempo, third in defensive efficiency. So I drew the line at top 10 in tempo and top five in adjusted defensive efficiency. Fast teams that were good on defense. I'm not going to get all these. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'll say 09 Carolina, one of them. It's not. It's not. Um, but I didn't ask you for the teams as much as the schools, and North Carolina is one of the schools. North Carolina has done it twice. So 2000, oh, oh, 2005 North five, Carolina yes, 2005, and yeah. 2007 North Carolina. Both teams were one seeds in the NCAA tournament. 2005 national champion. 2007 lost in the Elite Eight. And how many more schools do I have to try and guess here? One. Because it's happened three times. North Carolina is responsible for two. I'm going to... So just as a function of what I researched with the court report here, and Duke has been tremendous. And like The 0102 Duke team was is the only team to finish number one in offensive and defensive efficiency at the end of a season in the history of Ken Palm. So uh, I don't know if that's the team or not, but I'll just guess Duke blindly because they... They've been popping up a lot in my research this week. It is Duke. 2002. 2002, they were number eight in tempo, number one in defensive efficiency, got a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and then lost a stupid Indiana. They did, and it was that exact team. Only team to finish the season. Number one in both offensive and defensive efficiency. How about that? So the bottom line here is that Alabama is playing at a tempo and guarding in a way that has only been done three times previously in the Kim Palm era, and all three teams got a one seed in the NCAA tournament. What's the next game? Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, number 23, Kansas, at number 17, West Virginia, inside Joe Missoula Coliseum. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. West Virginia, minus two. Give me a reason to pick Kansas in this game. There's none. Right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, is it justifiable? Kansas, Kansas has dropped four straight road games by an average of 9.8 points. Those games were Oklahoma yeah. State, Baylor, Oklahoma, Tennessee. I figure we're in agreement here. I'll take Bob Huggins' team. I, uh, listen, Kansas gets, Kansas gets a win. It won't be stunning, but there's just not anything to base picking Kansas right now. Got to go WVU. Yeah, Kansas is 6-6 six and six in the first two quadrants with all six losses coming in the first quadrant. So Kansas is not bad. Kansas just isn't great. They're just like, ugh. 
But one obvious difference between earlier in the season and like recently, Jalen Wilson is five of 26 from the field in his past three games. This shoot 19.2%. He averaged 16.3 points and 9.0 rebounds in KU's first six games. We were like, ooh, look at this. Now he's past seven games. He's averaging 7.1 points, 5.7 rebounds. So he has slipped. Kansas has slipped. West Virginia, by the way, hasn't been great. Five and four in the past nine games. Three and one in the past four. That's that's okay. But five and four in the past nine. Yeah, I mean, again, Kansas lost four straight road games. And I know it's not going into... Joe Mazzula Coliseum under normal circumstances, but like it's still a road game. They haven't been good in road games. West Virginia minus two. I'll lay the number. Uh-huh. Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. This is game three. Unranked North Carolina at unranked Duke inside RJ Barrett Indoor Stadium. You can watch it on ESPN. Duke minus three. What did you name this? RJ Barrett Indoor Stadium. You remember RJ Barrett? He played with Zion and Cam. I think so. The big guard from Canada. Anyway. Um, He's on the Knicks now. What's the line? We're going to go Duke minus three. This is, a, I think everybody knows at this Come point, on, the, first Duke. Time, the first time Carolina and Duke have played each other, both unranked since February 27th, 1960, which coincidentally was my father's fifth birthday. Okay. Coach K was 13 years old. Roy was nine. The Super Bowl did not even exist. Um, what do you think? What do we think Mike's going to tell his team before the game? What do we think? Let's go. Okay. They're all, you know, getting the jerseys on. The assistants are milling around. Guys are just, you know, they're getting ready. And, uh, you know, Coach K comes, comes out of his office, steps into the locker room. Let's go. Yeah, okay. Any other ideas? Let's go do it. Come on. All right. Um, I'll say... I'll say Duke gets this one. Duke minus three. Yeah, they win. They cover. And in doing so, you know, it's... it's What is this? A quad two win if they win it? Like... It's gonna be fine. It's gonna it's gonna hamper Carolina's uh, chances here, but I'll 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 ride I'll ride with, blue, with the Blue Devils. These teams are something else, man. UNC is 55th in the net. Duke is 66. They're a combined one and eight in quadrant one opportunities, and you know we discussed it when we were talking about Ohio State at the top. But I really do think it, it, I I don't believe it's a coincidence. They're both bad in the same season that is being played in the middle of a pandemic. We talked about the dumbest one I've ever seen. We talked about it with the best teams in the country. They all are relying heavily on players that were in the that are non-freshmen and were in the program pre-pandemic. Three of Duke's top four scores are freshmen who were in high school pre-pandemic. Four of UNC's top six scores are freshmen who were in high school pre-pandemic. Combine that with Kentucky, like every no, everybody at Kentucky was somewhere else except Keon Brooks pre-pandemic. I, I don't, I, I, if you're looking for the most obvious explanation for how in the world did Kentucky, Duke, Carolina all get caught in these situations, it's because they are built in a way that is not ideal for a pandemic basketball season. Not at, that record is gross. That, that quad one mark. There. One and eight in quadrant ones. UNC is 0 and 5. 0 and 5. So Duke's ta- 1 and 3. You're taking the heels, huh? I am. I'm taking I'm gonna take I'm gonna take North Carolina on the road. 
We need to get a Roy audio drop here. All right, that makes sense. I'll take Duke. So we uh, disagree on two of the three. What's the fourth? Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, number 21 UCLA at USC inside the OJ Mayo Center. You can watch it on ESPN USC minus four. Trivia time. Okay. If USC wins this game, what will its record be in league play? No cheating. USC, USC can't win the game. They're playing against McCronin and the Bruins. What are you talking about? Okay. okay. Entertain. They're playing McCronin and the Bruins. Like, USC can win the game. What are we talking about? If, they, if USC wins the game, it's 9-2 and two in league play. That was, Who that is was, coaching the Bruins? Did you forget? That is GP's way of saying, I don't want to try and guess and be way wrong here. If USC, here's the real trivia time. If USC wins this game, it's 9-2 and two in league play. When's the last time USC won nine of its first 11 games in conference play? Guess the year. Okay, I will guess the year. The year was 2008. 1992 was the last time. 1992. How old was your dad then? (laughs) My dad would have been uh, 37, 37. You say so. Nine and two if it can win this game. Home opportunity for the Trojans. UCLA and USC have been getting consistent love in the power rankings because they've been winning a lot as of late. And at 14 and three for USC, uh, this is a team that's clearly headed toward the NCAA tournament. Big time opportunity here. UCLA, 13 and three, has won all but one of its games since Christmas. So, wonderful game. Glad you picked it. Was one of my two. Wasn't sure if you were going to do it. Happy you did. Wonderful evening tip here on Saturday to wind down your day. Um, this dude said, "What if USC wins? Like USC's playing somebody other than UCLA and yeah, I mean, I'm gonna do it right now. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take USC without without what hesitation. Yeah, USC. What? You said minus four. I'll take USC minus seven. Let's go. You're taking USC minus seven. Let's go. It is USC minus four. The Bruins. Let's go. The Bruins are 13 and three overall, nine and one in the Pac-12. Uh, Pac-12. Chris Smith. Did you see the Chris Smith interview by the way with Andy Katz? No shot. You didn't see it. I didn't. No. Sorry. So Andy Katz is talking to Chris Smith. He was the leading scorer, second leading rebounder last season. Played eight games this season. Leading scorer and leading rebounder. Tears his ACL. Doesn't matter. UCLA 7-1 without him. Lone loss, final second loss, NOT at Stanford if Stanford were in Santa Cruz. So Andy Katz is talking to Chris Smith. He's like, how, um, how, how is this team, I think it was something like analytically, how is this team still holding it together you know, in in when you're no longer a part of it, Chris Smith said, "I don't know about analytics, but I can give you a name. That name is Mick Cronin. <laughs> it's so good. Love it. That's wonderful. That, it's just like that, that's that's a player showing proper respect to the greatest coach in UCLA history. I hashtag stay at the court. Hashtag Nell can stay. I I can't." Uh... You know what I can't? If I'd have thought through this a little better. I would have named the Galen Center after McCronin. <laughs> I didn't think about this enough. It should have been Saturday, yeah, 10 p.m. Eastern, number 21. You got to win there. USC inside the McCronin Center. No, they got to. They got to win there. They have. If they win what there, what if we name? What if we name the Galen Center's court Mick Mick Cronin and Nell Wooden Court? No. <laughs> wouldn't work. You see, I remember I was in HQ, uh, the HQ studios last season when these two teams played a tight but ugly game and USC won on its home floor against UCLA. UCLA's got to get a win there. I'll entertain this absurdity. 
They got to win. They're not going to, though. USC is going to cover. You're going to take UCLA to no surprise. Of course I'm taking UCLA. By the way, though, I do have proper respect for USC. They USC is in the top 25 and 1. Right now, I've got UCLA 20th, USC 24th, and Evan Mobley is a monster. 16.8 points, 9 rebounds, 3.1 blocks. He leads the Pac-12 in rebounds per game and blocks per game. If we were naming a Pac-12 coach of the year right now, that's easy. But if we were naming a Pac-12 player of the year, I think also easy, Evan Mobley from USC. All right, here's a quick uh, tour of what else you need to know here. First of all, a bit of news that's happened since we started podcasting. Florida at LSU is going to be postponed uh, due to COVID issues in Florida's program. We also have an update from Keontae. If you don't, if you don't, don't hit me with news unless it's Trevor Bauer to the Mets news. Is that happening? Did it happen? I don't know. It's, 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 we should know any minute. We're waiting. Okay, sounds good. Um, any minute. If you want to jump in, if it happens before we're done, jump in. That's fine. Uh, but that so Florida LSU is not going to happen there. And we did learn since we last podcasted, uh, the Johnson family released a statement that said after consulting with um, numerous doctors and experts at the likes of Harvard and Yale and Vanderbilt and five universities in total, including the Heart Health uh, Institute down in Gainesville, uh, it's been determined that. Keontae Johnson's collapse in December was not a result of something tied to COVID-19. So they still don't have all the answers, but after speaking with um, multiple experts and taking their time and patience and diligence, and by the way, in the statement, also promising to provide continued transparency and help to anyone that, you know, should encounter something like this, similar to this, you know, God forbid. Um, so that's the latest on Keontae Johnson's situation. Also, this kind of uh, was expected, but the statement, I guess, officially confirmed that he is not going to play the rest of the season, which everyone you know, realized was going to be the case the second that uh, that he collapsed there. So that's just a, that's a notable game that's not happening. Elsewhere around the sport, as I uh, give you a heads up here, GP's checking in on the Trevor Bauer stuff on his phone. I love it. Friday, there's only one game to know. Maryland at Penn State. That's a 7 o'clock tip on FS1 for our Friday listeners. Uh, again, Penn State is sub-500 by two games and is like 33rd in the net. What are we doing here? If it wins, project potentially it's going to be projected as a 10 seed. I don't know what's going on there. Maryland, don't drop the ball. As for Saturday, the games we haven't talked about, Seton Hall at UConn is a tasty noon tip on Fox. Also on noon is Virginia Tech at Miami. Miami's not good, yet it's beaten like three good teams. So who knows? Could be anything happening there. At 1 o'clock, Drake's going to try and remain undefeated. It's playing Valparaiso at the Arc. One o'clock tip. Uh, bubbly that's game. Home, that's, that's Homer and Janet Arena. There we go. Uh, Syracuse at Clemson is a two o'clock tip on ACC Network. Syracuse is a better team in the tournament projection than you might think, but it's got plenty of work to do. That, to me, is among the most unpredictable games of the day. Uh, if you told me Clemson won by 24 or Syracuse won by 14, I'd believe both of them. Wisconsin at Illinois is uh, an intriguing 230 tip on Fox. Both obviously ranked. Illinois, as GP mentioned before, he would put them as the number one two seed at this point there. Wisconsin, meanwhile, uh, I once claimed this was the most reliable team in the Big Ten. It might be number 10 in that order at this point there. But a ranked matchup, 230 tip. We've got a lot of good stuff happening between noon and basically 4 o'clock 
on on uh, on Saturday there. And then Texas is going to play at Oklahoma State. That's a 3 o'clock tip on ABC on Saturday. GP loves it. Uh, Oklahoma State, that's an urgent game here. Uh, if you can win that and you can get into the tournament by having your appeal held off, then you're going to have a real shot there. So that's all the Saturday stuff. My fifth game is the only good game on Sunday before the Super Bowl. It is Iowa at Indiana. I was going to try and, you know, you know, pick up from where it uh, from where it got dropped off by Ohio State on Thursday night. Meantime, Boy, one of those fan bases is going to be mad oh my, as hell oh for the my Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. This is why I'm picking this game. And before we do our pick, we are let's just get this, let's get this podcast done well in advance of the Super Bowl, right? We do this every year. We're not recording after the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, of course not. No. Okay. All right. So we'll here's I, I'm going to be I'm going to be asleep by as soon as the Super Bowl's over. <laughs> okay. And by asleep, I mean asleep. Okay. Well, this is a noon tip. So how about this? Iowa, Indiana is a noon tip on on uh, Sunday. When this game's done, we hop on the pod because who knows what's going to happen in this one. Indiana, it's lost three of its both past te- both four. Both teams are one and three in their ne- in their last four games. So so one of these teams is going to is guaranteed to be one and four in its past five when the Super Bowl kicks off. <laughs> it's just disaster situation here. Uh, man, does Indiana need this win too? And for Iowa, if it were to lose this one, woo. Carver Hawkeye would never. Um, the line. Roy J. Roy J. <laughs> the line is Iowa minus three on the road in Indiana. Who you got? I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust Carver Hawkeye. This is an impossible game. I, like, it feels like some way both these teams are going to lose. <laughs> like, like, the only way they should go is that both teams should walk out of there with a loss. I don't trust either one of them to win. I'm going to agree with you. I'll take Iowa. I have... Uh, this might be my least confident pick of the entire season. Of the entire season. But we are actually going to agree here. Um, it's the only... Uh, you know, Villanova Georgetown is also happening on Sunday. But come on now. This is the only game of any sort of interest in the sport in advance of Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so keep an eye on that. By the way, I'll, I'll mention one more that I glossed Indiana's over. Indiana's tough. Like, they're they're good. They're top 30 at Kimpon. They just don't win. Like, imagine being good but just not winning enough. That's what they are. Exactly. They're um, a good hey, team that hasn't – they haven't quite mastered, and it's something I keep stressing on the podcast, the importance mm. of finishing with more points than your opponent. They don't do that enough. It's a tough deal. It's a tough deal. It's a tough, it's a tough um, deal. Bonnie's at St. Louis is a two o'clock tip on Saturday on CBS Sports Network. So I uh, GP, you gonna be doing halftime and stuff for that, or are you gonna be on HQ with me? What's your Saturday deal here? My Saturday deal is I am HQ all day, every game, halftime, pre-post. Okay, so this is a reminder to listen. Listen, if you enjoy the pod, we don't get as crazy. Do I occasionally drop the Easter egg on HQ that references the podcast and only Parrish and not the producers or the hosts know what I'm doing? Of course I do. So if you want a good second, third, fourth screen experience, uh, you can watch us on your phone, whatever. CBS Sports HQ on uh, your, your smart TV, whatever. We are on... We're going to be on like seven times on Saturday. So if you want to check in, we do encourage it. Keep an eye on that. But yes, Bonnie's at St. Louis, 2 o'clock CBS Sports Network tip on Saturday. I accidentally read over that one in my copy before. That is a genuinely significant game, arguably the biggest A-10 game of the season. Again, 2 o'clock CBS Sports Network on Saturday. Uh, Be sure to check in with that. I'm not sure you're allowed to identify biggest 18 game of the season. Well, you had the presence your, of the master. You had the chance the- and you didn't take it. So I don't know what you want from me. 
all I know is when I am on halftime of Bonnie's games, I am in a straight uh, 50 texts back and forth with the entire Wojnarowski family. <laughs> they are fired up about their Bonnies. First place in the A-10. It's a big game. Huge game. Yes. Huge game for the uh, for the A-10 there. And, yeah, Bonnie's got a shot. They got a shot. There's no there's no doubt about it. And there, uh, there are a couple more wins. And if they can avoid any more losses of uh, – of breaking into your rankings, I would think. So. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you guys for once again listening to the Eye on College Basketball podcast in the middle of the absolute dumbest pandemic of my entire lifetime. I didn't see this one. come. I didn't, I didn't see it going this way, Norlander. I thought for sure this one was going to go differently. I didn't, I didn't properly understand what what we were getting ourselves into at, as, as a country. But here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Hey, we didn't do Super Bowl picks. You want to do one? You know what? That's a good point. I actually had this in my little doc to do a Super Bowl pick. Yeah, I you, saw you, yours. I watched you on halftime. Uh, you picked uh, You picked Kansas City 34 and I think Tampa Bay 27. And your reasoning was that, uh, in your words, uh, Tom Brady is basically as old as me. No, you're older than him. Okay, you're not the same I'm, age. I'm, you're older than Tom Brady. Okay, not I'm a, barely not, older than Tom Brady. You are older than Tom Brady, but this was I'm, your reasoning. Yeah, I just can't imagine anybody my age winning a Super Bowl. That seems seems ridiculous. Well, I mean, it happens every single year. The coaches, the coaches on the sideline are older than you. They win Super yeah, Bowls. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, a forty-three-year-old quarterback can't win a Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. That's ridiculous. I got Kansas City in a route. Give me KC. You know, my mom's doing that Super Bowl square thing. Here are my numbers, real quick. She sent me this. this Nobody morning. cares about your stupid numbers. Oh, here's the numbers. Well, you, you know what? The listeners are going to be tracking this. I tell got. Us about, tell us. Tell us about your fantasy team next. I got. Uh, hey, I won. I won two leagues. Come at me. I won both my fantasy leagues this year. How about it? Yeah, I'll tell you all about those fantasy leagues. I got Chiefs eight, Bucks five. So I need I need Tampa Bay to win 35-28. That's not my prediction. Then I got uh, I got Chiefs seven, Bucks nine. That's not good. Not good. Listen, my mom was like, I need a few more squares filled. I was going to help, help out my mom. Shouts to my mom. Shouts to Daisy Norlander. Wonderful Daisy human being. Norlander. Yes. Um, Daisy Norlander. I'll go Kansas City 35 Tampa 17. Route. We've had a lot of good Super Bowls in the past 15, 20 years. Now, that uh, Patriots-Rams one a couple years back was a dog. I think this one will be basically decided midway through the third quarter. So you've got a closer one, but yeah, I got I got the Chiefs in a route. Chiefs 34, Bucks 27. That's the official prediction here. I will be playing Chiefs minus three three and a half whatever I gotta do and all the Patrick Mahomes props all the all the Patrick Mahomes props every Patrick Mahomes prop really not messing around how Patrick many Mahomes. how many how many Patty Mahomes props are there out there billions <laughs> well there are billions <laughs> I, can, I can promise you by the way speaking of billions we will get out of here finally started picking it up again uh, with the wife that will be we're gonna we're gonna get into a few more episodes tonight we're mid-season three Went on like a unexpected four-month hiatus, but we're getting back into it. Watched a couple episodes last week. Fired up about Billions. So. I'm all caught up. I love Billions. Yeah, love billions. it. Great show. All Great show. Up, yeah. All right. All right. We got to go. Let's we go. will talk to you guys. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.